Okay, welcome to the newest episode of the Unbothered Blondes podcast. This is going to be getting to know me, Randa Caraba part two, and we're going to do this a little bit differently in the fact that Kate's not on this podcast. We actually decided it would be better for Grant to be on this one and know that in the future of this podcast, you're going to hear episodes from Kate only, from me only, from Kate and Coop, from Grant and I, from Kate and I um, interviewing future guests. So it's not always just going to be Kate and Randa. So that's what we're kicking off with today. So if you listen to part one of getting to know me, you'll know exactly where we left off. And it was Grant and I had met, we had gone on our first date, we'd been hanging out for a couple weeks, but we still had not had our first kiss. So if you're listening along, we're going to wrap up last um, episode, and then we're going to talk a lot about my career, building Southern Jewels, the evolution of my career. And if you are listening, please screenshot this, share it to your Instagram story, and feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcast because we love hearing back from y'all on ways that we can improve and better the situation. So last time it was Grant and I had not yet had our first kiss. We had moved very, very slowly. He was such a gentleman and kind of, not to sound dramatic, but gave me a breath of fresh air and made me believe in mankind again. So do you want to take the reins on how the first kiss went down, Grant? Yeah. So it's kind of funny that, you know, I always wanted to be a gentleman and very respectful and I never want to cross boundaries. And so we were out at our ranch and we had some friends over and we we're driving the four wheelers around and it started to rain. And, and as fate would have it, the ranger broke down underneath the, the hay barn on the back side of the property. And so, of course, when the, the ranger broke down, we didn't have anything to do. So we kind of grabbed some drinks and Randy goes, hey, you know, Grant, I'll, I'll race you to the top of the hay bales. And I said, OK. And so I thought she was actually wanting to race. I didn't realize it was a, it was a plot and a, and a scheme the whole time. And so she said, ready, go. And of course, me being the competitive idiot that I am, you know, I just completely spider monkeyed up there and beat her. Like, I don't even think she was on top of the first hay bale by the time I was on the top. When I turned around, I'll I was give like... Give me a little more credit. I think you got on the first one. Okay. And so anyway, long story short, I'm like, yeah, you know, I beat you. And as she gets onto the top, rail, or top hay bale, what happens? I basically, we had been hanging out. We're basically dating. He had already asked me to meet his parents at this point, but I hadn't met them. So I, at the top of the hay bale, just knocked him down like a football linebacker, was on top of him and made out with him. And all our friends were down at the bottom and they were cheering us on. And I just had to take the bull by the horns. And it was kind of funny because I was not expecting it. She like she kind of started jogging to me, and I'm like, you know, I don't really can't go anywhere. I don't understand what's going on. And so she just form tackled me to the you know, I guess to the ground at the top of the hay bale at that point and just started kissing me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And you can just hear Ashley and Tanner down there going, red up, red up, <laughs> just cheering us on. And so after, well, well, because he kissed me back, thank God, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And I was like, okay, you do like me. And keep in mind, every night that we've been hanging out, then when we would each go home to our houses, because we were neighbors, he would Snapchat me a picture of his running shoes or tennis shoes, and or I would do the same. So we would go walking all, walking or running all these miles around our neighborhood, getting to know each other even more. So after I said, you do like me back, he said, do you think I'd be walking 15 miles a week just if I didn't? So that's kind of where that was. Yeah. 
But we can go further into mine and Grant's um, relationship in the beginning of that in a future episode. I just kind of wanted to wrap up the last one because what this episode is about is my career. So I'll kind of let Grant kind of interview me if he wants or like comes up with questions along the way, but I'm just going to kind of start telling the story. And as he comes up with things to interject or ask questions along the way, he will do so. So I was, I'm a first generation college student from Texas A&M. I graduated from a very small town. I had my party, I graduated on a Friday, had my party on a Sunday, moved to College Station on a Monday and never looked back. And I've lived there ever since. So getting to be a student at Texas A&M, I was the loudest, proudest member. I mean, that is nothing to, to hold lightly. And so whenever I was a sophomore in college, I was hand making my own jewelry, like necklaces, because a lot of the stuff that I wanted to wear to the stock shows and rodeos, because that's how I grew up, they were either too expensive for me or they weren't what I wanted. So I just started like sourcing out beads and learned how to make necklaces. And I was doing this for myself. Well, then other people wanted my creation. So at first, like for my friends, I would just make it for them, right? Well, then more people wanted my stuff. And so I started selling it. And in December, so on Christmas break of my sophomore year at AM, I went to the local courthouse and filed my first DBA, which means doing business as. So that way I could set up like a business account for this rather than like a personal checking account. And I would legit take pictures of my necklaces and I would post them as albums on Facebook. And keep in mind back then, Facebook did not even have business pages. So when Facebook launched business pages, Southern Jewels was one of the very first ones. And that's how I would sell my stuff. And then when I did my internship before my senior year at A&M, I moved up to Kansas City to be the intern at the American Angus Association. And that's when I realized that people knew me as Randa with Southern Jewels, my little jewelry business, more than Randa from Texas A&M or anything else. And so I think I kind of started lifestyle branding myself before I even knew that was really a thing. So when I graduated college, I graduated in 2009 and you'll know 2008, there was a big like economy crash and like housing market, um, downhill slope, I guess you could call it. And a lot of people were graduating college without jobs. So a lot of people were staying to get their master's, not necessarily to get their master's, but because they couldn't get a job. And so I'm all about academia, but I didn't really know what I wanted to get my master's in besides an MBA and the program I wanted to go to. You needed to get out and have real world work environment um, experience for a couple years. So I decided to pursue my little jewelry business. And I told my advisor that I worked for all during my undergrad. And I told my parents and my grandparents like, Hey, I'm just taking a year off to figure out what my business is. And doing that at that point with the academia background that I had, um, they didn't really take that well, I guess you could say. Anything else to say here, Grant? Yeah. So essentially knowing her parents and grandparents and, and meeting all of her advisors, they all basically thought she was crazy that it was just a, they're wasting your time. And then if you don't have the more college degrees you have, the more successful in life you are, because it's obviously a linear progression that way, because that's what common sense, that's what we've always been told growing up our entire life. And so whenever she decided to go ahead and get her or go into the jewelry business, they just kind of looked at her like, you failed us. You've, we, yes. we have invested so much time in you and this is how you repay us. Yes. And so it's kind of, um, it's kind of funny how things worked out, and I'll kind of let her take over from here. 
And what's crazy is thinking back to that time, you know, because sometimes pride can get in the way. I remember when I graduated, I was like, I had always had that safety net to introduce myself as Randa of Texas A&M. I was getting my undergraduate in animal science and business. I had all these accolades, this wonderful resume, and had all these things to kind of back me up, if you will. Well, if I was going to really, I told my parents and advisor that I would take a year to see if I could make money with my business. And if I was not profitable within a year, I could not sustain myself or pay my bills, then I would get back to school. So I know a lot of them were wanting me to get back in school, but they were, they were allowed me that year for me to try to make it myself. Because again, I never had my parents' credit card. I was not financially dependent upon them. So doing that, I remember I did have a few friends that pushed me that were like, but it's really cool to say that you're Randa owner of your own business, Southern Jewels. But I didn't see it that way. I really thought maybe if I just got a master's, because my advisor offered me kind of a master's on a silver platter, master's of ag business, not an MBA. And I was like, you know, I could really be introducing myself as now I'm getting my master's and this and this and that. And I almost let that hold me back because it's almost kind of like a safety net. And I went on by myself and I would go to local rodeos and stock shows. I would travel where I was showing my cattle. And so I would have my animals there and then I would like set up a Southern Jewels booth. And my sales would always be really, really good. But it was so hard to justify the travel expenses, the hotel expenses, the employee expenses, because I couldn't be doing both at the same time. So I'd have to bring someone who could run it for me. And so I saw what the sales potential was, but I also didn't know how to cut down my cost. And so that's when I was like, okay, I have to stop traveling and I need to start selling online. So I started selling online. Like I said, I was I had my little e-commerce site. I was posting everything on social media. By this time, Facebook started doing business pages. And so then I was started looking for a store, but in College Station, um, real estate, like on a commercial side, you're going to sign at least a four to five year lease yeah. pretty much anywhere. And so being 21 years old on my own, I just did not have the credit that would sustain something like that. And... The other thing is, gosh, I kind of lost where I was going. (laughs) The other thing is, you know, a a storefront comes with a lot of expenses too. So I kind of X'd that and was like, that's my dream, but I can't afford it right now. Well, I was walking in the mall one day and I saw one of those kiosks and we all know the kiosk where the crazy guys hunt us down, chase us down, trying to massage our feet or give us, you know, hair crimping tutorials or all that kind of stuff, right? And I looked at it and I went and set up an appointment with the... um, person who leased out with the mall and they said that you could do the kiosk month to month. So it's not that I wanted a kiosk because who wants a kiosk, right? But I knew that I could afford month to month and it would allow me to see what sales would be without me traveling, paying for hotels. And I knew that I could work this pretty much myself because it was in my town. So I rented it from September to December, September to December. September and October, it was 1300 a month, but only month to month so I could get out. And then November and December with the increased holiday rush, it almost tripled in um, rent and it was $3,500 each month. So I remember I didn't even know if I could stay through December because I needed to see what I made September and October to see if I could even afford the next months. And my December sales, I believe were like $24,000. And when I saw that, I knew that I could really make a business to sustain myself and to take care of myself this way. I just kind of had to figure it out. And again, always keep in mind ways to cut expenses to increase profits. So at that point, I stuck stuck to online and then the U.S. 
A Today ran a feature story on me. It was out also, it was me and another business. So basically it was saying how small businesses were utilizing social media because again, this was the very beginning of like Facebook. Like I don't even think I had Instagram yet. It was the very beginning of Facebook. And so they did this story on me because I was a young 21-year-old entrepreneur. And then they had like an elderly couple that was a retired couple, I think in their mid to late 70s. And they were selling ribbon online. I was selling jewelry. We were both um, big commerce, e-commerce customers. And that's where they found us. And so they ran this story basically on how anyone could use social media and e-commerce to build a business. So when that happened, I mean, the USA Today is like, on every newsstand, at every hotel, all across the nation. I remember I would have family members up in Ohio calling my parents whenever that story ran. And I did not tell anybody that story ran. I'll say that something else about me. I'll give sneak peeks here or there, but I'm a doer and like an action provider rather than just a talker. Because I knew even though they had gathered the story on me and that they said it was going to run, I always know there's always the chance that it could get cut in production. And so I did not want to tell anybody that the USA Today was going to be featuring me and then it not happen and I look like my word is not valid, right? So my parents didn't even know this was happening. And I am also a huge believer in signs from God. And so I was looking for a store at this point. And when this USA Today feature story ran, I was like, you know what? It really is time to start more actively pursuing a storefront. So I was about to sign on a little place in downtown Bryan. It was like 600 square feet. Didn't even have a bathroom. I would have to use a bathroom out of their restaurant because they own the restaurant and this little store. And it was previously the wife's boutique. So I was going to have to purchase all of her inventory, which didn't match my inventory or my brand. And I think that was like $18,000 of inventory. But again, they were going to allow me to rent year to year rather than the four to five year. It was like less than $1,000 a month. So again, it was something in my budget. And I convinced my dad of this. He's our county sheriff in the next county over from where I live now, College Station. And so he was literally in the office with the president of the bank because I had to have him co-sign for me because I did not have the credit for them to do this for me at such a young age. And he was about to sign because I had already signed everything with that bank. And I know they thought I was nuts. And then I call my dad and I'm like, hey, don't sign. And he thinks I'm literally a lunatic. And I'm like, seriously, don't sign. Because I had just gotten a message on Facebook from somebody that had this little house outside of town. It was this little yellow house, a salon. And she was able to purchase the building right next to her, which was like double in size to expand her salon. And that way she was able to handpick who her... um, renter or neighbor was going to be. And I remember saying, can I paint it pink? (laughs) And she told me I could paint it pink. She allowed me to do a year at a time lease for only $500 a month. So as my dad's about to sign on this other place for me, again, he wants me to keep my little ass in school. He's not really supportive of this. He thinks I'm crazy. I finally convinced him to go to the bank. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, don't sign on that. And I think when I did the little $500 building, my pink house, I don't think I needed him to sign because the other place was like $1,000. So that was a lot more money for me at that point. So that was the beginning of the little pink house. Within a couple months, the online really grew and expanded and I bought a little Morgan building and placed it on an old concrete slab where there was a barn in the back. And so that's when I really started running my storefront and the warehouse, like two separate businesses. The online was its own standalone business, its own inventory, its own employee and customer service and the same for the storefront. I outgrew the little pink house in about, 
uh, 14 months. And that's when I went to my big location together. It was like 3,400 square feet between my storefront and the online location. And I had to sign a big girl five-year lease and my rent was between five and $6,000 a month. It was a huge increase for me. But my first year in business at the Little Pink House, I'm not a super numbers person, but I, you know, because when I give out numbers that doesn't really show you profit, I did over 400,000 in sales at this little house outside of town that didn't even have its own parking lot. It was like rock. So I knew that getting in town, expanding to like four times the size that I could really grow. And I'll let Grant kind of come up with some questions so I don't just keep rambling. Yeah. All right, so how scary was it when you actually you, you did take that big girl step and you now had your uh, your online warehouse was its own separate building and then you had uh, the Southern Jewel storefront where you were. What what was going through your mind on this? Were you were you confident that you knew you could make it or were you just like, "Oh my gosh, what did I just do?" Okay, so that's a great question because I was so confident all along. But my online manager who ended up not staying with me very long and it was probably the most dramatic employee um Exit, if you will. Break up. Break up, yes. We didn't break up for a couple more months, but the day that I was signing that big girl lease was our first big blow up right before that. And there was a big fight. She like slammed the online door, you know, and I just really don't like controversy. I don't, it was unnecessary, if you will. And so I was a little bit flustered from that. And so now it's one of my best friends, Katie Rafino, but she was my, um, she was a client of mine. She knew that I was looking for a place. She actually found my store for me before it was ever listed because she knew that it was going to be coming available. So she was my realtor and she had this like, God, I don't know, 50 page lease, probably 25 pages, but I'm being dramatic. It was a lot. Randy, you being dramatic? <laughs> no, I, I don't believe that. So I just had this, you know, first big fight. I'm a little flustered. Katie comes over and I know that I'm signing this the entire time, but then going through the act of actually signing it, I remember we get to the last page and I look at Katie, who was just a client and a realtor and becoming a friend at that point, but now she's one of my best friends in the world. And I looked at her before I signed the last page and I said, what am I doing? Like, am I going to make it? Is this going to be okay? And she's like, I think everything is progressing exactly the way it's supposed to. I think God is showing you that you have outgrown this. This is your next step. You're always going to find a way. You always have. You've known this is, is the next step. It was basically like I'm just looking for her to give me some, you know, a pat on the back and guidance because I don't even think I, my parents knew I was signing this day. I mean, I was so independent from such a young age that I signed it. And I remember I opened that new store in March. So I signed this in February because I had a month to do like some build outs and stuff and, and freshen up the paint and change up the store like I wanted. And I got my key on to the store on Valentine's Day. And before Grant, I did have a couple other boyfriends, but nothing ever serious, right? And so I was always like into my career. So I remember posting, I think it was one of my first Instagram posts because Instagram was new about that time. And, you know, everyone's posting their flowers and their date nights and they're going to the concerts and all this with their boyfriends. And I posted a picture of my new keys to my new store because that kind of just fit me and my life at that point. So that was a great question. Absolutely. So now that you're moved in and you, you're, you're, you're settled in and you're comfortable, what were some of the, the exciting new things or the exciting challenges you face by expanding? Were you um, getting, was it an increase of foot traffic? Did you have, um, since you had a separate bigger warehouse, it was the UPS package guys coming more often, like kind of share your story of how you were growing and the exciting and, and scary things along the way. 
Absolutely. So going from $500 a month in rent, and then when I got my little Morgan building and put it outside on the uh, old concrete slab, I think I had to pay $150 for utilities. So going from $650 a month in rent to five to six grand just in rent before bills, before insurance, before anything like that, that was a huge increase. I do remember the very first day that the store was open. It wasn't my grand opening because I wanted to do like a soft opening, kind of get my bearing set. And then we did like a big grand opening party the first week of May. Um, so the first day that I was open, I did 4,800 in sales and I had never done anything like that in the little pink house. I don't know if I possibly could have, it was so small that I don't think it could have sustained that. So that was really exciting seeing how I could grow. And I did, I continued to grow in the store and online. The store did still trump the online at that point. And honestly, I personally loved the store more than the online, but the online was such wonderful marketing and supplemental income, and it supplemented people coming into my store because they would see things that I posted online, and then they would come shop in the store locally because of that. So I did online, but online was not my only thing, and it was not the primary part of the business or the bread and butter. I would say the store was about 60, 65% of my income, and then the online was about 35, 40%. And then I would also travel to road shows like the NFR, um, that big rodeo in Vegas, different things like that. And so that would be additional income as well. So, um, you know, I was doing good for a couple years. 2012, we joined the SEC and we had Johnny Football. So that was wonderful because I would print all these wonderful game day tanks. And the day before Alabama played at College Station that first year was my record year ever in business at Southern Jewels. Um, just that Friday before seeing all the energy that everyone had. And so this was all my first year in business. I mean, it's like so many great things were happening and there was so much energy in College Station and there weren't many boutiques. And this was ahead of the online boutique trend. So I kind of was killing it on both ends. And I still loved what I did. I I love styling people in the store. I loved the day before game days where I'm running around like a wild woman, helping everyone get their outfits together for the game day. And then 2016 hit. In January of 2016. Well, are we going to talk about uh, Aggie 100? Okay, yeah, we'll talk about Aggie 100 before 2016. So, yeah, I grew so much that I actually, in 2015, made the Aggie 100, which is the top 100 fastest-growing Aggie-owned businesses in the world. And you have to at least be 50% um, owned by Aggies because, you know, some businesses are owned by multiple people. So I never had an investor all along. I did take out, like, a $15,000 loan when I did my new store just because my sign alone was, like, $12,000 that had to go outside. And so for me to keep growing and investing more into being able to grow, I did have to take out a loan. But I had a... know, a year and a half under my belt with great business numbers. So they obviously gave me a loan. I paid that loan off, I think within two to three years that my banker told me that would be a great way to build credit is take out a smallish loan and pay it off very short term, but longer than a year. He was like, you don't want to pay it off in less than six months because you're not really, you know, showing credibility and building credit. So I think I paid it off somewhere between two to three years. And that allowed me to grow. So actually, the when Grant and I first started dating, two weeks in, I asked him to be my date to Aggie 100, as you heard on the last episode. And I was the number 11 fastest growing Aggie-owned company at the time with a 90 what percent growth rate? 93% compound growth rate. 93% compound growth rate over five years um, because you have to be in business for five years and show those five years tax returns before. So that was like incredible. And that kind of shows you what... What moving to that new place and taking on that new risk and that new um, expense really allowed me in my business to do? 
And I want to completely brag on my wife for a second because it's kind of funny is because around town, you know, and I own several businesses. And so w- when we got there, we're all dressed up and we're in the table. And you're local to there. And you're I'm local. So, there. Yeah. And so I, I know like over half the companies there, like I'm friends with a lot of them. And so everybody was like, oh, Mr. Caraba, how are you? Shaking hands. So which company of yours made it this year? Congratulations. And I'm like, well, hold on now. I am i didn't make it. And they kind of looked at me dumbfounded. And I said, I'm here with my girlfriend at the time when I'm saying girlfriend. I mean, we've been dating two weeks. Like two weeks. And I'm like, this is my girlfriend, Randa. She made it with her uh, boutique Southern Jewels. And they just would look at me like I'm crazy because we'll have to try to post a picture somewhere. And she was in this beautiful white you know, dress. Like she just looked completely out of place versus everyone that was there you know she's you were the you're, she's still the youngest person or youngest female woman. youngest woman to ever be on the aggie 100 list and people just were completely dumbfounded that this little bitty blonde girl that was just on the aggie 100 like nobody can nobody would believe it and it's kind of funny is that i had the exact same reaction when we started dating i, I was, was like say that's my next question tell them what you thought of southern jewels when we met because you knew where it was and right. tell them how you yeah. knew where it was all right so i uh like to partake in in going to the bar after work on Fridays <laughs> and Saturdays, and so it's a little uh, place called the Tap in College Station, and it's literally the building right next door to where Randa's store was. And so I always knew where the the boutique was, and but I never it never dawned on me, never paid attention. And so you know we started dating. People were like, "Oh, she owns this boutique," and I'm like, "Oh, that is so." cute she owns this little thing i was like i wonder that you know when she's going to get a real job and you know like i just did not take it seriously because i didn't grow up in a town where or i didn't grow up in businesses where i was like that that business model doesn't make sense to me like it's just women's clothing like come on now that you're just not making that much income i was like this is just like a hobby right like i did not take it seriously and so whenever we went to the aggie 100 um, they're sitting there. They go from uh, one hundred down to one, and so they and they tell you and your you don't con- know what num- you don't know what number you are. Yeah, you have no idea what number you are. And so as they're they're going down, Randa's like gets up around. There's they're at number twenty, and she stands up and she's in the corner and she's freaking out, thinking, "What were you thinking at that point?" I thought that it was all a mistake and I shouldn't have been there and that I wasn't on the list. Yeah, and I'm like, "No, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't forgotten." Well, all of a sudden, they get down to like eighty percent compound growth rate, and I'm, of course, I'm a, a math guy. I do like I do most of my work setting up deals, and I'm really good at math. So I'm running the numbers. So I look at her. I said, "Hey, three years ago, what were your sales?" And she knew what her sales were, and so she told me what the sales were. And I'm sitting there going, so doing backwards math. I'm like, "Oh my god!" It this every time they announce the next number, I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, "This is this amount in sales. This is this amount in total sales." And so when they picked her, you were number 11, you had 93% compound growth. I, I saw that total sales number in my head and I'm like, you did how much in sales? <laughs> oh my God. I was so, I was beaming with just pride. Like I just was so proud of her. And I'm like, this girl, this is a real job. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I mean, like she's doing more than one of my companies right now. Like what is going on here? Like, and I was just so proud of her and I just, I couldn't believe it. And when Grant and I first started dating because he, you know, does real estate, land development, industrial buildings, trailers, they're not, they're much more based on agriculture agriculture or, you know, having land. So they're not big on social media or taking pictures and posting on the line that he literally asked me one time we were hanging out after work and he goes, Wait, you schedule work time and you pay people to take pictures during work? 
I, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're, you're literally scheduling time during, Away from work. during the work day to take pictures of clothes. <laughs> like, that's, that's a real thing. So he didn't get it. So finally I put, once we've been dating long enough, I put the, my app on his phone so that he could see when my sales, because he's such a numbers guy, and he loves watching that kind of stuff. So I put my app on there. Kind of because I got sick of him complaining when we had to take pictures at oh, different places. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it'd be 730 at night. And I'm like, hey, are, are we going to go to dinner? Like, I, I'm just not understanding this because I'm like, do you want to be married? I was like, do you want to be married to your job or do you want to be married to me? Like, are you dating your work? Are you dating me? Like, what's going on? Because I'm not, at that point, I'm pretty selfish, like, you know, pretty, pretty <laughs> full of myself. And I'm like, well, what about me? She's like, okay, let me put the, the Shopify app on your phone and you can kind of see sales. Well, about a week later. Um, let I'm, me say it. Okay, you do it. Let me say it. So then I just put it on his phone because I'm like, I'm going to shut this up, right? He comes to me the next week and he goes, you know, Randa, when you take those pictures and post them on social media, you make the sales. And I'm like, no shit, Kung Fu. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there, she'll, she'll post it and I'll see it online. And all of a sudden the little app will go, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so finally I was like, hey, Randall, we need to schedule more time for pictures. You need to post more pictures on there because you make more sales. And it was just hysterical. So, yeah, so and let me tell you, I don't know how many years went by in my business that my parents, especially my grandparents, even my advisor would be like, so when are you going back to school? And finally I had to say, I'm not. This is it. This is doing great and wonderful. And I'm an entrepreneur. I've proven it. So we're not going back to school, okay? So then, now let's talk about 2016. So I was on top of the world, 2010 through 15, yeah. right? 2016 hit, and in January, there were multiple reasons why I think 2016 hit. Um, number one, I was expanding my wholesale business. So like the stuff that we would design and sell in-house, I would also sell to other boutiques to kind of build the Southern Jewels brand. So I was going to market not only to purchase clothing for my store, but I was going to sell my design. So that required more market time. So I was away from the store more. I went to the first ever big um, retail convention it's called The Big Show in New York. And so I went there and I was away. So basically I was trying to, as you're trying to build, you kind of get away from the basis if you make, if that makes sense. You know, because I had a, a team at home to take care of things so that I could go grow and expand and do all these other things. Well, I think that along with the fact that that same year about 10 other boutiques went into business in town. Um, now social media is so much more popular that for your stuff to be seen, you really have to be doing paid advertising, um, there were just, people were opening online boutiques left and right. It was a lot easier. You literally could open an online boutique with $300 worth of inventory and push it online. Um, just so many different things were hitting. Plus I was now, I got engaged in De December of 2015. So I was evolving, you know, I was about to turn 30 that next year. Um, my my style wasn't quite as cowgirlish as it was when I was younger. I was becoming more mature. So I, I was bringing in brands like BCBG, you know, higher end brands and more um, classy brands and brands that would evolve with, an, with a higher a price point and higher age clientele. And a lot of these things I was doing just weren't working like I thought they were. So I think all of that combined, I had to do a huge layoff February 
um, pretty much lay off my whole team except for my office manager who still helped me run shipping. So I would, then I was running this big retail store and online warehouse myself for what, like until the middle of April yeah. So when I got sales back up. Because January, I lost, what, like 20 or 30 grand yeah. in the hole. It was bad. And then doing a layoff with my teams. I mean, some of the team members have been with me close to five years. So there were a lot of emotions. There were a lot of hurt feelings. But at the end of the day, it was still a business. I couldn't just pay people to be there if we weren't making the money, you know? And so that's what needed to happen. But there were, there were hurt feelings on all ends. There was, you know, some drama that came about with it. And it was just a huge growing phase, if you will. And, you know, some of them have overcome those feelings. Some of them still have those bad feelings for me and try to tear me down on the business that I have right now. But 2016 hit and, um, I ended up shutting my store by the end of the year. I should have shut it earlier rather than the end of the year, but that was election year. And so I was like, you know, people are holding on because of election. Well, we ended up not being good in football that year. So by halfway through the season, people weren't coming to the Aggie football games, which means they weren't coming into the store to shop to wear things or to buy new outfits. And, you know, I need to start focusing more online. And, of course, at this point, I'm such a numbers analytical person. I'm looking at it. I'm sitting there going – yeah, your retail store is tanking, or not necessarily tanking, but your sale, your your. It your, wasn't the sales weren't offsetting all the expense that the right. retail store brought. But if you look at it, the online store, a standalone on, online store, was extremely profitable, mm-hmm. and so all everything you were losing in the retail store, the online store was very profitable, but it couldn't absorb all those costs to keep sustaining to make it to have it make sense to work to keep our current location. So at that point, I said, hey, we're building a brand. We just moved into a big, beautiful, brand new house. We have a huge attic that I can build out for you, and I can, I can basically build you a, a warehouse out of, our, out of our house, and you can – and now you cut all those expenses, and if you keep you know, even half of your current online sales, you're making X amount of dollars, and this is a sustainable, amazing business at that point. Right. And so I knew that's what I needed to do. And it was very hard to tell my t- my very small team at the end of the year that I was shutting my store. Then I have to publicly announce, hey, I'm shutting my store. I'm moving online only. And I remember I was totally fine with it because I knew the money I still made online. I knew the money I still would make. And so I wasn't worried. I knew my business wasn't going anywhere at that time. But it's crazy when the sign came down because we took it down at the beginning of the year. And then I left for like January 4th on my bachelorette party because Grant and I got married the first part of February. And it was honestly wonderful. It was kind of like I was entering a new phase of life. Like, I'm going to be home more. I'm going to be transitioning into a wife rather than, you know, I worked so much at that store. And I love, like, my memories of running and operating that store are some of my favorite of my entire life. I truly loved my job. But if you'll hear what I'm saying, I loved my store. I'm not saying I didn't love online, but what I really loved was styling people in person visually putting things together in the store. I truly did love the store more than the online. But I knew business-wise this is what I needed to do to sustain and to stay profitable. So we moved online only and publicly announced it. I remember we took the sign down. People would text me and be like, I am so sorry. And I was like, what are you sorry for? Like, we're just moving. We're just, you know, kind of like reiterating or changing up the way that I do business, but I'm not going out of business. So you don't have to be, feel sorry for me. I'm okay. Um, but again, you know, I'm sure there were people talking, I'm sure there was some negativity and all that kind of stuff, but I kind of blocked it out. You know, I was happy with Grant. I was happy with my life. We just built this big, beautiful home. I was making a smart decision for my upcoming new lifestyle. It made sense. And I operated online that first year and I made some money. Um, but I will say when I first started my business, 
seven, eight years before, I never opened my business saying, I want to run an online warehouse. I want to run a shipping facility. And that is basically what my business turned into. And honestly, if you're listening and you own a boutique and you're wanting to expand and grow your boutique or you're wanting to open your own boutique with the way the world is right now, you need to know and understand you are going to be operating a shipping facility and you're going to be operating um, marketing and targeting on social media and, you know, that is what it is now. I'm not saying that little storefronts don't make it anymore, but it's not the same that it used to be before social media and shipping. Because, you know, you think 2012 when I first started, yeah, Amazon was around, but people didn't really use it that much or trust it. Amazon is what put the trust in people knowing that if I order something online, I'm going to receive it. Because I had an online store well before I ever even opened my storefront. But the beginning years, people still wanted to come in and purchase in the store. They wanted to try on. They wanted to know they would grab their stuff. And honestly, one thing I forgot to mention about 2016 where Grant was saying that my storefront sales were going down and my online sales were coming up was I started doing where you could purchase online to do free in-store pickup. And I thought that doing that would get people in my store and then not only would they pick up the... um, online order that they made, but then they would shop around the store and purchase more. That wasn't happening. So I was losing online, I mean, storefront traffic because they were now purchasing online, picking it up on their lunch break or before they took their kids to soccer practice. And they weren't shopping around the store anymore. They were just picking up that online order. So even though they came in the store, that sale was marked as an online sale, not a store sale. But the cost was absorbed by the store for them getting actually able to physically walk into a storefront that cost all of this money for me to run between an employee, rent, and all the other bills. So that is kind of what started evolving. And even though I was still making some money online, I did not love what I did enough anymore. You hated it. I I did. I I hated shipping. I hated exchange. I hated returns. I hated doing all the customer service from the email and not getting to see my customers in person anymore. It just did not match my personality. And Grant can attest that I was not as happy anymore with what I was doing. Yeah. Even though at that point, I want to say it was 2000. What 17, 18. 17, 18. It was the year before she sold it. Like she that sold co- it in January of 2019. Okay, so two, 20, go, we'll go back to 2018. That company was very profitable that year. Like she did really well. And but the problem was is that she wasn't fulfilled and she wasn't happy. And, and so I was I, having to work so many hours. Yeah, and it, and it was still 80 hours a week because of shipping. Because I literally that was a shipping business. That was not a boutique business, if that makes sense. Um, and so I was like, hey, well, what do you want to do? She's like, well, honestly, what about selling it and then just kind of getting – take a little bit to figure out what I want to do with my next business and go from there? And I said, well, absolutely. I completely support – When I was already – so I launched my um, my lifestyle blog, randacaraba.com, in April of 2017. So just a couple months after Grant and I got married because I was online for 2017 and 2018. And I saw the way that influencers and bloggers were blowing up on Instagram. But I also knew they were expensive. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just be this for my own brand. And so I started doing that. Grant and I just got married, so I had this new life to share. So I had been lifestyle blogging and putting more into my own social media since – April of 2017 is when I started that. And what's crazy is I needed content to post and I didn't want to just make it the same as my Southern Jewels page. So I needed to share my life. Well, you know, I got in shape. I lost 
30, 40 pounds before we got married. 40 pounds from the stress of what happened with the store in 2016. I mean, I was just, I had laid people off. I was working 14, 16 hour days, not eating lunch. Grant was chewing my ass about it. Hey, you need to be eating. And I'm like, I'm trying to, but I'm working. And I'm not going to say it was the healthiest way, but it, it was stress and me not truly having lunch breaks or having employees who could cover the store so that I could take a lunch break. And so I lost that weight. And then when I shut the store beginning of January, we didn't get married till the beginning of February. I got my little ass in the gym every single day for the month before the wedding because I never could with the way that I worked that store. And to me, being able to go to the gym every single day up until my wedding was a luxury that I was able to put that hour into that. And so I started filming myself doing my fitness stuff. And honestly, what did most people start tying to whenever I would post my content? It was her getting in great shape. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate that, you know, sometimes you you get a little fluffy and you gain a little bit of weight and, you know, sometimes you need a little motivation to lose it. And I think that, you know, everybody who's, it's never been in question Randa's work ethic. Well, next thing you know, she starts documenting it um, online and people seeing her work out and they can, they're starting to see her evolve and change and they feel like that they're a part of the story and so I think that's why a lot of people gravitated towards Yes, that. and I would say another, you know, I did lose some clients because I would lose clients because, again, they would open their own store or their own online boutique because it was starting to become much more of a thing. I would also lose clients because they were getting pregnant. They were having babies. They weren't losing their pre-pregnancy weight. I mean, their pregnancy weight or getting back to their pre-pregnancy body. And so I think once I started posting the fitness stuff, I kind of related to everybody rather than just this one style of clothing that I was selling at Southern Jewels and only this specific size range. And like Grant said, it's real world. You know, we all kind of struggle with maintaining our, our body. It's, it's a constant work. And he brought up a great point saying no one ever questioned Randa's work ethic. Well, actually some people did. And I had a little chip on my shoulder about it. I mean, when people from my hometown or things like that would come to my store, if they did not see me working the cash register or checking them out, they would make little snide remarks like, well, I went to Randa's store and she wasn't even working it. Not knowing that I was in the online warehouse going through boxes and boxes of inventory, you know, running the whole thing, coming up with everything that it took behind the scenes. And I would let that bother me. I really would. Like people saying, I came to Randa's store, but she didn't check me out. She wasn't working. And so that was kind of another thing that really kickstarted me on my fitness journey is I was like, I know to have results on a fitness journey, it is your own work ethic. And I'm like, if people want to question the way I work, I'm about to show them. And I'm not saying that's right or that's healthy, but that is what it is. So that's when fitness started becoming such a big thing. One thing about Randa's personality is if you say, oh, you can't do something or you're not good enough, She's going to do it 10 times better than what you said she couldn't do it. <clears throat> and so that was one of the – with fitness, she's like, oh, well, you know, Randa's always – don't take this the wrong yeah. way – been a bigger girl. Yep. And next thing you know, it's like she can't lose the weight. Well, look at her now. Yeah. And, you know, I remember looking up to girls like Paige Hathaway and Buff Bunny online and following them. And I – what I felt when I followed and saw their content versus other boutiques, it was different. You know, like I, I loved boutiques by all means. But, I mean – they had this wonderful, strong body they had built. And I don't know if it's because I didn't have it or because it took so much work to get there and I already had the boutique, but I looked at that as like something that I really yearned and desired to have. But here's another thing, and I think this is why a lot of people tie to following Kate and myself with fitness is how many, and I'm not knocking it, but how many fitness models, fitness influencers, fitness bloggers are out there 
that are naturally thin, that weigh 100 pounds soaking wet, it's hard for them to put on muscle, but they put on 20, 25, 30 pounds of muscle. And then because they're naturally so lean and small, you see all of it. And again, that still takes a lot of work ethic. I'm not taking anything away from them, but that is what I saw online. I didn't see many people that started at 175, 180 pounds fluffy like me that then looked like a fitness model or a fitness influencer. And so I really didn't know, was that even capable for my body? And so I think people like Kate and I showing that because we, we didn't start out just 100 pounds. I think there's a lot of value there because I think a lot more people don't start out 100 pounds soaking wet. And so showing that we could truly transform our bodies with strength training, I think is why a lot of you like to follow along. And the fact that we show, hey, we were bigger before. Hey, we still were confident you know, in ourselves. We still dressed in crop tops. We still love to dress up and go places. You know, my husband, you know, started dating me when I was 40 pounds heavier. He still found me attractive. You know, does he find me much more attractive now? Probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. He does like him some muscle. I'm not going to lie. So that was kind of the evolution of fitness. And I'll let Grant kind of come up with some questions on us evolving the career. So whenever we kind of started taking that leap of faith and say, hey, you know what, this this online fitness business is, is really going places, you know, because we, we had never had thought about it. We never had any intention of, of building an online fitness business. I was checked out. I knew what it took to build a business. I had done it before, and I did not want to build another business. It takes so much work. I had to sacrifice Thanksgiving and Christmas of 2018 to get started, and not that I am above work like that, but I was almost burnt out of work like that. Right. And so we were kind of in the man cave one night saying, hey, well, you know, this is where we kind of started it. And this was probably, I don't know, six weeks, two months before we actually opened PowerFit. Uh, we kind of were like, well, you know, what do you want for your next business? Because she was so burned out of Southern Jewels. We had said, well, what about and selling the company? Yes. And lifestyle blogging was making me some money, but not enough to sustain myself right. as a full career. And so we're sitting there talking. I was like, hey, well, if we are going to sell Southern Jewels, we need to get into it. We need to have something else in place before we sell the business because if we sell it and then kind of go from there, it's, I just don't, I don't like going about stuff that way. And so I said, all right, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, Randa, you know, a lot of people, if, if you've gained a lot of followers just because you got fit for the wedding and, and all that kind of good stuff, I was like, what and about open, another fitness and, and at that point that she left. was, she was promoting another fitness company that she had just recently left. And so I was like, well, why don't we do it? You know, and she's like, well, it can't be that hard. And I was like, well, you know, we found a trainer who wrote us some programs and we found a guy that made us a website and we just kind of piecemealed it together. And we really had no idea what we were doing. And then next thing you know, we're like, okay, we've got this thing opening. And then whenever we, we launched, which was like January 12, 14, 2019, this thing just took off like we had no idea we'd do that amount of sales on the first day we were like rand i think we've got something and so if you fast forward you know a couple years after that you know we went through three website changes we're on our third trainer or i we've got another trainer i'm now a certified personal trainer rand is about to be a certified personal trainer 
it's just this the way this thing has evolved and grown it's just i can't be more proud of her and there's one more part to all of the story i forgot to mention i know some of you are asking what about randa caraba the label yeah so randa caraba the label remember how i was telling y'all with the storefront that i was trying to grow the price point and grow the style and make it more timeless and mature um since i couldn't do that with southern jewels i was still running southern jewels as an online business so i branched away and kind of made it part of my lifestyle brand for randa caraba the label and this was going to be, I never put forth that Randa Carraba the label would be my sole income because I didn't want to put that pressure on myself. I wanted to enjoy it. And so if I made extra money off of it, great, but I did not want that to be my full-time everything, if that makes sense, just because I know how much work and risk that takes. Starting up from zero on a clothing label without being like a celebrity or having a big investor or, you know, a million followers. So I did it and I was made out of um, LA. So made in the United States. My first launch was in September of 2017. And I had a great launch. Like I had a profitable little launch and it went good. Well, the next year, so all this is kind of going on end of 2018 to decide which route I'm actually going. I did my next launch in, um, the same time. I only wanted to do one launch a year with my label. And I don't even think I broke even. It was, it was, it was not a good launch. And so that was, yeah, that was a good sign from God that I'm like, okay, I think I'm trying to make this thing fit too much, even though I will say designing clothing is a dream of mine and something I am passionate about. I think the actual logistics of what it takes to run the company is not what I like as much. Would I rather design clothes than film fitness programs. I don't know. I like both of them, but I like all the back end of PowerFit so much more. The building the community, the cheering other women on, the seeing women reach their goals, giving them thousands of dollars whenever they win challenges. So I do enjoy that a lot more. But Grant says, we kind of just jumped. It can't be that hard, right? And then here I am over Thanksgiving and Christmas editing hundreds and hundreds of fitness videos. Um, that was a nightmare, literally. And people think we don't do anything and we live in this castle and, you know, we just had this life of luxury. That's the biggest amount of BS I've, I could have ever heard because literally on Thanksgiving night and all day on Christmas, we had Christmas dinner or lunch with our family. And so I think everybody left around two or three in the afternoon. We went up to my office and stayed till past midnight editing videos. Because um, we had to get launched filming it, stuff. by January like 12th or 14th. Right. So we spent almost 10 hours on Christmas Day editing videos, doing working on Christmas to create a business. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. If you want to be successful, you are going to have to put in work hours like that. And, you know, Christmas is important, but we knew that we, we, we had something and we were willing to put in the work. And speaking of holidays, you know, that was another thing is I loved my store, but I remember – Every year at the beginning of the year, whenever I would, whatever team members I would have, or if I was going to be hiring new people that year, I would say, these are your blackout dates. Like you cannot ask off these days because I said, I'm going to stop being the person that's working this, this store the day before Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, the, the day before Christmas and the day after Christmas. I'm the only one here. Everyone bails on me. Like, even though I put these things in place, not saying everyone, but the team as a whole, I didn't have everyone because they went off with their family too. And I remember going, Grant and I were already engaged at this point. I still had the store. It was 2016 when I was getting ready to shut. And it was kind of like a two different God things happened about me shutting the store that holiday season. So I went to the grocery store on Christmas Eve and I saw, I saw this man with all of his children, I think two or three kids. And he was, you could tell he was flustered trying to do all of the Christmas 
food shopping, um, probably because his wife, I would assume was maybe at work. I don't know where his wife was, but his wife was obviously not there. And I could tell how flustered he was. And I just kind of like took a step back and was envisioning where my life was going. And not that I knew Grant and I would have kids yet or not, but still I was entering this married life is I said, I don't want to put my husband through that. I don't want him having to host every Thanksgiving and Christmas meal because I'm working and him be flustered in the grocery store because he doesn't know what my list is reading and what all he needs to get. And then on Christmas day, the year that I just announced I was going to, or told my team that I was going to be shutting the store. So 2016, I didn't publicly announce it until January 1st. We were at Christmas at Grant's aunt and uncle in Houston and the security alarm went off at my store in College Station as we literally had just said the prayer and we're about to eat. And I just said, I'm done. Like, I don't want to be rushing back for an alarm situation of a store on Christmas Day. I cannot even enjoy my holidays. And so um, still now, even with Power Fit, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday is always a big day for us. It was huge this year. But the good thing about technology is we are learning to automate stuff and get set for stuff ahead of time so that on the day of, we can still enjoy Thanksgiving. We can still, you know, not have to wake up at 4 a.m. on the day after Thanksgiving to get ready for Black Friday like you would have to do physically going into a store. So I know we're kind of getting to the time frame of wrapping this up. So I'm going to let Grant kind of take the lead on helping wrap this up and asking the last few questions. So it's now that fast forward to, you know, 2020, obviously now, and we've got PowerFit and it's, it's growing and we absolutely love what we're doing. And it's kind of not a business that we were, you know, really expecting to go through a few years. What's probably the most rewarding aspect of PowerFit that you enjoy? 100% without a doubt, the community and the positive impact that it makes on women's lives. Getting to see testimonials, getting to read them, getting to see progress photos, getting to have women send me their wedding photos that say, I never thought I could look or feel as good as I did on my wedding day. You know, thank you for encouraging me to lift weights. I didn't know that this could change my mental health for the better. Seeing women who have changed jobs into the fitness industry because they love power fit so much. Seeing women who have gotten off of their antidepressant medicine because they feel better and more complete from the inside out and stronger and just more confident all the way around. I mean, it is just such a positive impact that this community is making. And that is hands down without a doubt. Because that's what I loved about my store. I loved making women feel good and look good and picking out their outfits for their engagement photos or going to, you know, a wonderful date night with their husband. Well, I'm not dressing them with clothes now, but I'm dressing them with, with confidence and results and, you know, really being a part of the happy times and the successful times and the more confident times of their life. And that is hands down what I love. I think we'll go on the last question. Uh, everybody kind of, or if you're familiar with PowerFit, you know that we've got pregnancy and postpartum programs. And of course, Randa's four months postpartum. We just had our, our first son uh, about four months ago. And so Randa was in the gym, you know, nonstop. And it's kind of funny. She'd be on the squat rack. You know, she's still got 45s on there. And she's, you know, probably 36 weeks, not, not probably that, 30 weeks pregnant, yeah. you know. And she's doing 135 pounds. And the other trainers and, and managers of the store is like, hey, can you, can you please put less weight on there? We're really worried that you're going to squat down and have the kid, you know, because they're just not used to, you know, to strong, powerful pregnant women lifting that kind of weight. And so well, one of some of the best attributes or what are some of the best results you saw by working out while you were pregnant? What 
benefits do you think Croy, our son, is, is gained from you working out during pregnancy? Okay, that's a great question. First off, I will say that the reason I was able to lift at the level that I did my entire pregnancy is the shape that I was in before and the strength that I had before. So obviously I was not lifting as much as I did pre-pregnancy as I did during my pregnancy. But for most people, if you just saw me lifting pregnant, you know, that is heavier than a lot of women lift. But for me and myself, it still was less. And I did go down in weights as I got towards the end, but I did lift up until two and a half hours before my water broke. The benefits that I saw were hands down, my postpartum recovery was so much better than I could have ever, ever expected. I got released to start working out again at two weeks, five days. Um, TMI, but I got released to have sex before what the normal time frame is. Like my, yeah, I mean, and and not to give out too much like that, but my my body healed so much faster than what my doctor is used to seeing. That she was so amazed at how much I healed because I had the baby vaginally. I didn't have a C section. Um, I pushed only seven times, and he was here, so my labor and delivery was incredible. I felt you know, strong the whole time. I feel that I was up and getting dressed and taking pictures and very involved with Croy ever since day one, rather than, you know, having to do as much bedridden time. I never had to be bedridden. Um, and then for Croy, I swear my strength training has helped make that little guy so strong. His neck muscles, I didn't know it, but like people would always say how much he was holding his head up or how wonderful his neck control was. And I went back to a little video that we took after his newborn photos. I think he was 10 days old and Grant was burping him like sitting up and he was holding his head up by himself. Now I didn't have children before, so I don't know the first time that Croy held his head up all by himself, but I will say it came very soon. And even my chiropractor just told me two days ago, we went before this trip. He said, that little guy has one of the strongest necks for his age and size that I've ever put my hands on. And so I'm not saying it's because of the strength training, but I definitely don't know that my strength training did not hurt that. I mean, this little guy, he is stout across his little back. He has little delts that pop out. And so again, I don't know if me lifting helped grow them for him. I don't know enough of the science. Don't quote me on this. This is just my own personal hypothesis of my journey and seeing what it did for my child or seeing how my child is. Is I know there are so many benefits to strength training during pregnancy. And I I hope that Croy continues to reap all those benefits. I have them all listed on my blog, on the PowerFit website, um, all about the, you know, pregnancy, pump your bump, and then postpartum program. But I mean, I'm four months postpartum and I am on a trip with our number one fitness influencer, Kate, who is in the best shape of her life. And I'm doing a photo shoot right next to her. And there's not a lack or, of, or doubt of confidence in me and my body at four months postpartum to stand next to Kate, who's been all of 2020 kicking it in high gear, hitting her best body, her best goals, and you know, counting her macros, lifting, and her incredible work ethic. Um, here I am, like I said, postpartum, just right alongside her. I feel great. I mean, the fact that I can, I'm back to I would say I'm back to lifting how I did pre-pregnancy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, three months postpartum, exactly 12 weeks. It wasn't even quite three months. I did all the marketing photos for all of our big $10,000 challenge. And I mean, I was in there. I had Beyonce playing and I had me a little cocktail going and I owned that photo shoot. That's probably the most confident I've ever been in any photo shoot. And it was so empowering knowing that just 12 weeks to the day before um, that photo shoot, I was delivering a child. 
And so just seeing what the female body is capable of. And, and I know that, I know postpartum depression is a very real thing. However, I did not, I did not personally go through that. Did I struggle with some hormones and figuring out my new life and balancing everything? Oh, absolutely. Was I tired and emotional because I wasn't getting sleep the first couple of weeks? Absolutely. But I never felt depressed about having this child or about my body. I mean, I woke up every day seeing results from my body the first three weeks, even before I was really lift. I mean, so I got back to working out two weeks, five days. So it was like I set up the precedent to have these results coming back. And I will say, if you are disciplined enough to work out through pregnancy, all, I mean, I delivered it 38 weeks, five days. I worked out the entire time because I'm going to the gym every single day, still giving my best effort and working out the best I could each day, but I'm getting slower, weaker, bigger. Um, you know, if you can sustain staying disciplined through seeing rever- results go the opposite way and reversing, then once you get back to it postpartum, it is like an all new addiction because I'm like, oh my God, I forgot what it's like to actually go to the gym and see results. I forgot what it's like that my core is actually going to get strong and, and show some ab definition again. Like I kind of forgot that for nine months. Yeah. So it's, it's a really powerful and, and cool thing to watch her, you know, go through all that again and, and, and kind of gain her confidence back. Um, but I think we had a great podcast. Thank uh, you so much for wrap up with. Okay. Well, all right, we'll wrap us up and we'll go yep. from there. So the two things I want to wrap us up with is number one, if you're not into fitness, you're not into fitness yet. And I learned this from listening to y'all. So I launched a confidence and mindset course right before I had our baby. She just shines a confidence and mindset course virtual for 30 to 90 days going through it with me because I understand that some women need to mentally get stronger before they're ready to um, commit to a fitness program. And I know that timing is everything. And I don't want someone signing up for a fitness program and them not being in the right mindset that they're going to fail. So I launched that and I will always